T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Three and two. In the air to left field. Kirillov back at the track, and this ball is up and out of here. Adam Engel drills a 3-2 pitch, and the Sox add on with three runs in the seventh. It is six to two. Some some huge insurance there in the seventh last night in Minnesota. And after a tough start to the week, Bruce Levine, it's uh, four in a row for the White Sox, who are now within three games of first place. And welcome in, everybody, to Inside the Clubhouse. And it is Inside the Clubhouse every Saturday morning from 9 until 11, 52 weeks out of the year. Mike Esposito sitting in for our friend David Haw today. And, uh, Mike, uh, we have a big show planned. Let's get into it. Absolutely. We have great guests, which we will uh, get to in a second, uh, including a White Sox. Uh, Josh Harrison will join us, uh, the Sox second baseman. Wayne Randazzo from Mets Radio and Cubs vice president of scouting, Dan Kantrovitz, uh, leading into uh, this weekend's draft. But first, Bruce, we're going to start with uh, the Red Hot. I, I will call them that, White Sox, who have now won four straight, and I mentioned it, off the top, that Adam Engel home run, uh, some nice insurance as they had a one-run lead, and then all of a sudden it was a four-run lead last night. But they have crept within three games of the Minnesota Twins. Absolutely, and uh, we uh, we thank uh, NBC Sports Chicago for that highlight of that home run as well. Jason Benetti on the call, and uh, yeah, Mike, uh, look, uh, this is a huge. Uh, part of the year for the Chicago White Sox, uh, a team that has underachieved, has had many injuries to deal with, a team that uh, has, uh, from what we can see from the outside and what I can see from the inside, uh, there's been finger pointing as to who's who's to blame and what's wrong. They're back to 500, and they're back to three games uh, in the lost column behind the Minnesota Twins for the first spot in the uh, in the uh, American League Central, Cleveland right in between them all. So uh, this is a, a very good run right now for the Chicago White Sox, winning the last two games in Cleveland, 
the first two in Minnesota going into the break. Uh, two big, two more big games starting this afternoon with the White Sox as well in Minnesota. So uh, this is just, uh, you know, uh, the beginning of what the White Sox nation hope is seeing their team for the first time the way they envisioned it last year. And Mike, I'll, I'll give you a, a little bit of idea about what that's all about. In spring training, even going back as far as the winter, when you looked at this team and uh, you saw how it was put together, you felt uh, that it was going to be, and many people felt that it was going to be, a team based on uh, home run ball, better defense, and outstanding pitching and bullpen pitching. And what you got yesterday was a microcosm of exactly what that is all about, Mike. You saw Michael Kopech start, uh, not not having the best command, not having the best stuff, but gutting his way through uh, five innings of work, allowing two runs, showing his best fastball probably all season, getting up to the 96-97 area for the first time in about six weeks. And then you saw clutch hitting, home run hitting from Anderson, home run hitting from Angle, setting up the win and, and putting icing on the cake. And most importantly, after Kopech, you saw five shutdown innings from the bullpen, Mike. Five yep. shutdown innings, just two hits allowed. And it went, you know, the way they thought it would. Ke- Kelly being a big part of it. Lopez, maybe your most important pitcher for the White Sox so far this year, being a part of it. Uh, you, you had... Uh, you had your two mainstays at the end, your setup man and your closer at the end. So from from all of that, you got five innings from your bullpen of shutout baseball. No walks, two hits. That is, that's White Sox baseball. That's mm-hmm. how it was envisioned going into this year. And now back at 45 and 45 and back in the hunt for the division, this is more what everybody thought the Chicago White Sox would be. Inside the Clubhouse is broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. And, Bruce, as always, we love to hear from our listeners. We need to hear from our listeners. Uh, our guest line uh, is 312-644-6767. The tech zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time and shop online at rosenhyundai.com. So shoot us your texts. Call us in. Same number, 312-644-6767. Your best and worst Highlights of the first half. This goes for both teams. And we uh, approach the All-Star break with uh, two more games this weekend. But All-Star break coming up. Draft coming up. And the White Sox, I mean, it seems like, Bruce, we have talked about this for months now. Uh, They've underwhelmed at times. They have frustrated uh, throughout. And yet here they are only three games out. And as you mentioned, playing uh, what the, the type of baseball is that we thought we would see them in. And I, I still think they have the horses to get it done. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Three games uh, with several months left is certainly surmountable. And I was very impressed. You mentioned how, how Kopech uh, overcame the rough start yesterday. They put up two in the top of the first. Minnesota answered right away. But from there, Kopech shut them down. He did. And uh, the, the one thing that has been, um, I think, gratifying for the White Sox is the way that Kopech has pitched this year. And when you say pitch, I, I underline pitch. Uh, he came into the league a guy that threw 101, 102, okay? Um, 
he was a power pitcher. They were going up and back thinking, is this guy going to be a starter? Is he going to be a closer? You know, just a magic arm. Uh, a couple of years of injury, Tommy John, one year with COVID and sitting out, you know, basically missing two full seasons. And uh, then coming back last year with 69 innings out of the bullpen. You know, he had he had probably five or six starts, maybe seven during the year. I'll have to look back. But um, mostly out of the bullpen, 69 innings. So this year he comes in to replace Carlos Rodon in the rotation. And the question was, is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be the type of starter that um, throws four innings and he's out of gas? Or is he going to be a pitcher? And Mike... It's been a pleasant surprise, and I've talked to Kopech about this uh, inside the clubhouse, you know, with the White Sox a few times, is the fact that he has shown that he can pitch. He's a guy that's shown he can establish that breaking ball, even when it's not there. Um, you know, the fastball, he's, he's um, been able to spot the fastball. And, and again, his command hasn't been great in the early inning, innings, but he's shown the resiliency to stay in ball games to the fifth and sixth inning, and, and and that's that's pretty gratifying for a guy that really hasn't started games on a regular basis for almost three years. No, I, I agree with you, Bruce, and I certainly think that rotation-wise, right, the White Sox are are from a position of strength in the Central and the American League Central. Uh, a guy they really need to come through is a guy who did so for them uh, plenty of times last year, but has struggled this year since coming back. Lance Lynn goes this afternoon. Dylan Bundy is for the Twins. And talk about a make-or-break uh, game for this series, Bruce. You've won the first two. They have the White Sox. They've crawled within three. Uh, this is a, a pivotal uh, game in this series. Uh, and really, this weekend heading into the All-Star break, it could really set you up for a great second half or, or push you backwards after you got excited by uh, this four-game win streak. And uh, we want to hear from you as well. Cubs, Sox fans, your top pitcher, your top position player in the first half. Where do your teams sit in the first half going toward the second half after the break uh, this week for the All-Star game? 312-644-6767. That's our number. You can text Mike. You can call us and uh, get in with your opinions on what's going on in the Chicago sports scene. We are an equal opportunity station and show taking all your Cubs and White Sox calls. Absolutely. And and Bruce, we should mention uh, that Adam Engel home run you heard coming in from the game. Uh, Engel only in the game because Luis Robert left early in this one with lightheadedness. They say he's day to day, which I take as a good thing. Uh, but he, he obviously had to be removed from the game yesterday because of that. So Engel comes in, and, and lo and behold, uh, in the seventh inning, gets uh, the biggest one of the biggest hits of the game for the White Sox. You could see Robert early uh, in the, the first couple of innings struggle with a, a line drive base hit that, that got by him for a double, uh, just bounced right by his glove, and also a ball that went to the fence that normally a guy with uh, his ability would catch that he misjudged. So you could tell there wasn't uh, something wasn't right, although I can tell you this. Uh, making no excuses here, Robert uh, has not been the center fielder we have come to know over the past month or four or five weeks, I would say, um, you know, since he came back from his injury. He has just not been the same guy. And 
And, you know, this is a guy that covers more ground than anybody this side of Buxton of the uh, right. Minnesota Twins. He's an outstanding outfielder, but uh, for some reason just hasn't been that same guy. Yeah, something off there, Bruce. And uh, let's go out to the phone lines again at 312-644-6767. Score listener line powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Our first caller of the show out in Glencoe is Mike on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. And Bruce, you actually beat me to the question. I'm very concerned. I have not been impressed with Lewis Robert this year. I know he's doing fairly decent hitting, got that, that big homer the other day. But And I know yesterday, I'm sure he was sick. But is it, you know, just like we had questions about whether Tim could play shortstop, and I'm not so sure he can for a championship team. Is Robert better in uh, in a corner position in the outfield? Is this just a blip? Uh, is is he changed because of the big salary? Um, can he play center field? What do you think? Well, that's a, that's a great question, Mike, and thanks for calling in. We appreciate your call, um, um, Espo. I, I don't I don't know what's going on there. Uh, obviously, uh, the dizziness is one thing here, but uh, the even though Robert is a gold glove caliber and has the ability to be a gold glove center fielder, and we've seen it, you know, over the last three years, um, when he approaches the wall, it's a problem. Okay. He's not good when it comes to yep. the, the warning track and the fences it has been a problem. If that's the biggest problem you have with a center fielder, you're going to live with it because he covers so much ground. I mean, he covers as much ground as anybody in the game. So from that perspective, you know, you're not worried about him. But it's just been something missing there. And, and as Mike pointed out, you don't like to pick on Luis Robert because he has really been carrying a big stick lately, starting to hit his level. Uh, when uh, we started the season this year, Mike, uh, and we uh, yep. David and I picked our MVPs and Cy Young Award winners, I had Luis Robert as my MVP. Not the White Sox MVP, but the – but the American League MVP, because I believe in his five-tool ability so much. I, I think he's as talented a player as there is in the game. But right now, defensively, not quite there. Uh, injuries have taken their toll on the White Sox, and that's one of them. But uh, I, would, uh, I would say that that is a, uh, a question that needs to be answered here. Hopefully, he's going to be right back in the lineup uh, today, because they certainly need his bat with... Uh, certainly the way that things have been going uh, on the uh, wobbly side for Eloy Jimenez this year. Absolutely, Bruce. I would have thought that Robert, uh, going into this, we've always raved about the range that he has out there in center field and all of the things he can do athletically out there. Something's just off, and I, I hope at some point we find out what it is because for Mike's point and for what we've been talking about, this just does not seem like the Luis Robert that we've uh, grown to love out there in center field. He's certainly struggling, and we will uh, certainly hope to get an explanation for that. We need to take a quick timeout. When we return, some should he stay or should he go? And again, a great guest list today. We'll talk to Josh Harrison from the White Sox. We'll talk to Wayne Randazzo from Mets Radio. Cubs Vice President of Scouting, Dan Cantrevis, will join us again. A great show coming up. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. As the MLB trade deadline approaches, both sides of town have some decisions to make. So... 
Who should stay and who should go? Should I stay or should I go now? With Bruce Levine and David Haw on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. You know, more than anything, I wanted a, a good opportunity and a fair deal. Um, I feel like I got that here and a chance to prove that I can still do what I've done in the past. I know I'm a few years older, but I but I, I do have a new arm and it does feel good. And I'm just starting to really show that I can I can do I'm capable of doing what I what I once did. As far as being moved out of here, like I thought, you, you never know. You come here and you you have an opportunity to win. Twelve teams are going to get in. Why can't one of them be us? So um, it's just not working out right now. We haven't had a we're on a tough streak, but we're looking to turn it around. And that's David Robertson from the Chicago Cubs. Uh, today's topic, Bruce, and the Cubs have had a, a, a tough stretch after playing some good series uh, in the month of June. They have uh, lost seven in a row now, swept by the Dodgers and the Orioles. Yesterday's game against the Mets washed out. Uh, Day-night doubleheader today, a 120 and a 705. But while the Cubs have lost seven in a row and are 19 games under 500, Robertson himself has certainly positioned himself as a valued trade chip, if possible, for the Cubs. What do you think? Yeah, a very valued one. Uh, one that uh, is not making a ton of money. One that uh, is um, really uh, an essential guy for any bullpen because of the versatility that he brings, uh, Mike. The, the idea that uh, he is the Cubs' closer. He has been a closer for many years, but also uh, was the number one setup guy for a championship team going as far back as the 2009 uh, New York Yankees, setting up for uh, arguably the, the greatest closer in uh, the history of the game, Mariano Rivera. Uh, he is uh, so valuable to any team. But I, I ask you this question because a lot of people will say, well, Levine, why are, why are you guys picking Robertson? It's obvious he should be traded and bring in a young player. But I, I ask you this question, Mike. Um, as the Thompsons, as the Steels, as these younger pitchers start pitching deeper into ball games, and the Cubs start learning how to win as a group with a younger group to go along with some of these veterans, is it essential to keep a guy like Robertson in the closer's role. So those games that are pitched so well at the beginning by some of these young pitchers um, aren't lost from a game-wise perspective and a morale perspective. In other words, does Robertson staying help them learn how to win ball games by locking down the last couple of innings when they get there? That's my yeah, question I, for everybody out there at 312-644-6767. That's my question for you, Mike. Yeah, I mean, there is certainly value to that, and undoubtedly he has provided that value thus far to the young relievers. I mean, you look at who's out there and the starters, for that matter. Justin Steele and uh, Keegan Thompson we know are out there. Hughes, Wick, Efros, uh, you know, they have guys there at that uh, can certainly benefit from David Robertson and his story and his fight back from, you know, from injury and everything. Uh, I still think, and I do think he will be dealt. I think he is, um, I mean, one of the two most valuable trade chips they have, because you said it, he can pitch anywhere out of the bullpen. He has contender pitching experience. He set up Mariano Rivera for all those years. He's closed games. He's bounced around. He's been around 
Uh, lots of different teams, lots of different atmospheres. Um, I do think uh, and I do expect him to be dealt, but there's no doubt. And there's there's plenty to be said about what value he brings in the clubhouse and, and teaching youngsters how to play this game. But on a team with, uh, unfortunately, 55 losses here uh, at the moment and heading towards a, a rough season, I think that is something where you take uh, your advantage here and you move David Robertson. He's a great guy to have around, and I know you know you've talked to him many times. Uh, he's certainly a leader out there, but I think he's a guy that you've got to move. Yeah, I, it's more of what he does on the field, though. I mean, yeah, you're, you're right about, you know, the perspective of leadership and telling tales and being there for the other guys. But, it, Mike, there's, there's real value being able to close out games, okay, for teams. And if this team is going to start taking a step up as far as its mentality, and, and David Ross has had to fight this uh, in recent times as well with losing streaks like the one they're in right now, Mm-hmm. And that is, uh, you don't. It's not a light switch. You don't turn it off and on uh, as far as learning how to win and and the value of not thinking like you're a losing team. Okay, you go into a a game and you get to the late innings with a guy like Robertson. He's there to to shut it down for you. But in, in more more importantly, you haven't lost the value of all that good baseball beforehand, the good pitching from the young pitchers earlier. Uh, so again, uh, it's not, you know, baseball's not linear when it comes to winning baseball games, but part of that equation is making sure at the end of the game, if your team has earned it to that point, that you have a closer you can count on to win that ball game. Absolutely. And Bruce, this kind of leads us to a, a, a secondary question. This is for me anyway. We've seen Rowan Wick in the past close and and look dominant at times. This year, we've seen him struggle. And, and you know, it's pointed out via the text line, uh, our text line at 312-644-6767. You know, Wick is, is actually in his upper 20s. He's struggling right now. Uh, my question to you as a guy who, who sees there and who's uh, every day and who's talked to Wick many times, uh, what's your take on what's happening to him this year? Because to me... This is a guy I thought at the beginning of the season, before you thought Robertson might come in and, and shine as much as he has, that he would likely be your closer for this team. And, and this season just has not worked out for him. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he has been coming back from injury, okay? Uh, a couple of years ago, he looked like the man. He, he got opportunities to save uh, some ball games, And, and he, has the, he has the arm. There's no question about it. I just think uh, just, just getting healthy and mentally just getting locked in uh, to that position. If Robertson's traded, uh, he's obviously the the first choice out there. They have some veterans and, you know, guys like uh, like Martin, uh, you know, that, mm-hmm. are, that are still out there that could close. But um, for the future, you know, Wick would be the, the obvious guy right now uh, are, that are among the healthy Cubs to be able to go out there and pitch. Uh, you know, we have the Cubs have Hoyer, but, you know, after Tommy John surgery, He's going to be lost till probably the middle of next year sometime. So from all of that, you know, Wick would be the ideal guy. Or do you trade Robertson and you get that arm back that you can cultivate into yet another bullpen uh, guy, another closer of the future? So that that's the part of the equation we don't know when we talk about uh, Robertson being an obvious candidate to be traded. 
Yep, and you're right, Bruce, and a lot of Cubs fans undoubtedly uh, forget with Cody Hoyer on the IL, but he would certainly have been a, a prime candidate out there. 312-644-6767 is our number, Bruce. We have a caller. Let's sneak in here before we have to break. Tony is out on the north side, and Tony is now on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Tony. Yeah, this is Northside Tony. Um, how are you guys doing today? Good, Tony. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about La Pantera. I... Um, I feel that what he's doing with his bat has been amazing to this point. I mean, he's batting, what, 300, 12 home runs, um, over 50 RBIs. Right. And I feel that um, the last two series that he's totally been more patient at the plate. He's being more selective. And we're seeing the kind of damage that he's doing now when he's being more selective. And I think another thing that we have to remember, too, is that he had COVID um, you know, earlier this season. And I strongly feel that his troubles out in the field are due to COVID. Um, What's your opinion? Could be. It's a good point. Uh, Look, um, we're not doctors. uh, We're we're not, uh, not, you know, people who can climb into people's bodies and figure out exactly what's going on. Uh, When people are sick like that, we don't know how it impacts you going forward. All I can tell you is that um, Robert's, you know, has certainly been the offensive player that you want him to be out there on the field. Defensively, you know, again, it, he just doesn't look the same. That could be the reason, Mike. I don't know. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's that's a fair question to ask. But, uh, you know, he's been able to answer the bell. Hopefully he's going to come back and, uh, and feel stronger. But it certainly hasn't impacted his game at the plate. You're looking at 100-mile-an-hour fastballs that he's taken out. Right. Yeah, we'll certainly hope to get to the bottom of the Luis Robert center field difficulties, but we uh, firstly hope he's feeling better and, and able to, to go this weekend. When we return, though, Bruce, we will uh, talk a little draft with the Cubs vice president of scouting, Dan Kantrovitz. That's coming up next. Later on in the show, Josh Harrison from the White Sox, Wayne Randazzo from Mets Radio. But we'll dive into the draft with Dan Kantrovitz, vice president of scouting from the Cubs, when we return here on Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio, 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Alongside Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito in for David Haw this week on Inside the Clubhouse. Hope you're having a great Saturday morning. Lots of baseball coming up today. A doubleheader at Wrigley, Cubs and Mets, and the Sox at Minnesota. Time now, Bruce, to head on out to the score guest line uh, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. Actually, we'll do that in a second. Uh, we hope to be joined by Dan Kantrovitz from the Cubs, vice president of scouting. Uh, but, Bruce, uh, the Cubs uh, get a little uh, wet weather yesterday, so we'll have a a twin build today, a day-nighter, Stroman and Walker in the first game. And I'm excited, even though he pitches for the opposition, Bruce, to see a uh, future Hall of Famer right in front of our eyes, Max Scherzer for the Mets and Drew Smiley in the nightcap. Scherzer gets older and doesn't get uh, any worse, does he? You know, he's one of those pitchers that, you know, back in the day when uh, we were growing up that, you know, your your family would say, hey, so-and-so, uh, Koufax is pitching, Clemens is pitching, Maddox is pitching, you know, uh, Randy Johnson's pitching, let's go to the game, okay? I don't know if uh, people do that any longer, where they, uh, 
identify a, a great pitcher or a great ball player and say, let's go and watch them. I imagine there's still people that want to come out and watch Otani and Trout. They want to watch uh, Juan Soto. Uh, you know, they want to watch, you know, some of the great players that are out there. But I don't know, Mike, if like the older days, you, you'd say you'd circle a date and you know that, uh, you know, Clemens is pitching against Maddox and that's a must to come out and watch. I don't know if you, if people buy tickets that way any longer. It seems like uh, the event planning for life and going to baseball games a little bit different than it was back then. Yeah, no, Bruce, there's no doubt. I mean, there's a handful of those starting pitchers and, uh, you know, in current baseball. And that just goes, I think, to how pitching has changed, right? I mean, you used to be able to, you know, go to the, you know, Cubs history. If Fergie was pitching for the Cubs, you you would expect him, not maybe expect is the wrong word, but it was likely that Fergie was going to pitch a complete game and that the Cubs are going to, if they didn't win, they were going to be right in the game and, and have a great chance to win the game. Greg Maddox, uh, another great example, uh, often on minimal number of pitches, would, would go deep into the game or finish the game. In modern-day baseball, Max Scherzer, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, Max Freed from Atlanta, Dylan Cease from the White Sox is a great example, although um, I don't know if, you know, hopefully fans have started to pay attention to what he's doing on the south side this year, but he has certainly worked his way into that conversation uh, for elite starting pitchers. But I think you're right. I think it goes to the propensity of bullpens in today's game. Yeah, it's probably that. And uh, also, you know, Back then, even in the, the 90s, you know, before teams were selling out as much as they do, you, you, were, you were confident that, you know, day of game, unless it was a big holiday doubleheader or a team was in first place, that you could walk up to the ticket window and buy yourself a couple good tickets. Uh, yep. You know, those days are gone. You know, no, nobody buys tickets that way any longer. I mean, you still can, but it's... It's, it's certainly not the optimum way that people go about, you know, getting their tickets on the ballpark app and, uh, you know, being ahead and, you know, transferring tickets that way. It's, it's just a, a whole different way to go. But uh, certainly Scherzer, and, and we'll talk to our, our good friend Wayne Randazzo, the, the, one of the voices of the New York Mets at the top of the hour, about that coming up because, uh, you know, Scherzer is certainly destined for the Hall of Fame. He's done so many great things. And, uh, to watch him uh, come back and pitch, uh, you know, will be interesting for the Cubs. The Cubs have a little bit more business to take care of here, and that is uh, try to try to end that um, that seven-game losing streak uh, to begin with. And by the way, uh, Cub baseball starting at 12:45 today with uh, Josh. With uh, actually, it's uh, it's our good friend uh, Matt's uh, turn to do the That's pregame right. uh, because. Uh, Zach and uh, Coombs are doing the play-by-play today for the doubleheader. Yep. Nope. Matt Spiegel will have your pregame uh, today at 12:45. It's Stroman and Taiwan Walker in the first game, and I pulled up Scherzer's stats, Bruce, as we we're talking. So he's he's 37 right now. He's in season 14, I believe it is, and uh, he is one of your last. And and you know we call him a workhorse pitcher, but. You know, these days, workhorse means 200-plus innings. He has definitely uh, hit that milestone a bunch of times uh, throughout his career. Uh, you know, and, and, and you can never compare eras, and you can never compare. Uh, it, it makes it tough to compare starting pitching statistics from what we are seeing currently to what we saw 30, 40 years ago because 300 innings used to be the benchmark. Then all of a sudden, 
it was 250 and then it was 200. Bruce, as uh, as we are noticed uh, now, it's time now to head on out to the Score Hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And we bring in the vice president of scouting for the Chicago Cubs, Dan Kantrovitz, uh, nice enough to take some time out from the uh, war room where he is uh, certainly uh, very busy with the other scouts and the people from the front office with the Cubs to uh, join us on Inside the Clubhouse. Dan, good morning. How are you today? And let's jump right into it. Um, the Cubs draft seventh. So uh, like I asked you the other day, uh, you can tell uh, our great audience out there who the Chicago Cubs are going to draft right off the top, okay? <laughs> uh, good, good morning, Bruce. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, um, if, if 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 I knew who we were going to draft, uh, then uh, you know I'm, I'm, I, I might feel a bit more comfortable answering that question. But uh, you know, at this point, at seven, I think you just got to go into it being okay with not knowing who you're going to take, and then you have to kind of read and react to the you know the the six picks in front of us. Right. It's uh, it's lit. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. No, I was just going to say, Dan, it's literally, hey, here's our top seven, and we're going we're gonna to pick off of this based on how it falls uh, and who's ahead of us and, and who gets taken, right? I mean, it has to, it has to kind of be the you know, follow-the-board thing, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it, it, it ends up being a little bit more complicated than that, but, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, uh, you know, if it ends up going, you know, the – top six on our board end up flying off and you know the the seventh guy on our board will will end up being our pick dan kantrovitz our guest uh vice president of scouting for the chicago cubs and dan the question uh, i i find it interesting i wonder uh what your experience has been is the vice president of scouting amateur scouting is in charge of the draft but from team to team and from organization to organization the final say-so would come from the scouting director in many cases, and in other cases, it's uh, they defer to the president or the general manager. What is the setup with the Chicago Cubs, how that works? What's been your experience before when you've been a scouting director or other places? Yeah, you know, so, so, so every team, as you alluded to, Bruce, does it probably slightly differently. Um, you know, I think when you're talking about a pick as, as high as, you know, seven, um, you know, it's an organizational pick. You know, that's something that, you know, we're going to have complete alignment on, you know, from, you know, jet on down. And, you know, there's quite a bit of discussion every day, you know, before our meetings. And then when we break meetings, you know, whether that's jet Carter, you know, Brez, uh, you know, it's everybody that's kind of involved in the, in, you know, the executive leadership level, um, you know, is, you know, has a vested interest in this, obviously. So, um, you know, we get opinions from our player development staff, from our research and development group, um, and then obviously our scouts. And so it's it's a collaborative process. And, um, you know, I think that's uh, this day and age with, with all the data and information coming at us, um, you know, you can't help but have a lot of people involved in this. And, you know, I think that's, you know, asking about my prior experience in this, I mean, that, you know, 10 years ago when I was, you know, with St. Louis, uh, you know, the landscape was a lot different. And, you know, you you might have a, a smaller organization, a smaller group of people sort of making some of those decisions. And, you know, along with that, you had, um, you know, probably half the data that we have now. So I think it just kind of goes with the territory in terms of, one, this being a high pick that everybody in the organization 
um, is, you know, has a vested interest in and, you know, is collaborating, um, you know, in the process. And then, two, you, you really need to leverage as many resources as you can when you're getting this much data being thrown at you on, on, on this many players. Dan, we were talking right before you hopped on, Bruce and I were talking about Max Scherzer, and I'm wondering how the the changing landscape of pitching and how pitchers are used. You know, back when when we were growing up and you'd have starting pitchers go, you know, maybe not the distance all the way, but pitch most of the game to where now bullpens are so prevalent. And as you mentioned, there's so much data available as to who to use, when, and in what situations. How does that change or affect how you draft pitching? Yeah, the you know pitching has certainly evolved and is still evolving, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And you know, we see that at the the amateur level, you know, at high school and at, at the college level as well. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, though, you you have to have um, you know weapons if you're if we're going to assume a player is going to be a starting pitcher, you have to have enough weapons to go multiple times through the order. And so sometimes, you know, being able to you know just having just two pitches um, isn't, isn't always going to cut it. And, you know, so that's something that's changing and um, you know, our, our ability to measure, um, you know, how effective a pitcher might go multiple times through the order, um, you know, and, 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 you know, but at the end of the day, uh, you still have to, you know, draft somebody that's going to, that you expect to be able to get outs at the major league level. And, and, and that's a hard enough task as it is. Um, so then, you know, once you're in a position to say, well, we're not sure if he's a starter reliever, but we know he's a, you know, we think he's a big leaguer. Um, you know, that's not a, a bad problem to have. Um, but I think, you know, there's a spectrum of, of, you know, it's not just sort of a, is he a starter? Is he a reliever? It's, you know, what are the chances that this guy might be a starter at the next level? What are the chances that he might go, might have enough weapons in his arsenal to be able to go more than once through the order. So, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of what's changed, I think we have probably more tools at our disposal to be able to evaluate, you know, those, the different weapons in, in a pitcher's arsenal. But, um, you know, it's definitely something that's evolving as, as again, as, as more data is being thrown at us. Um, and, you know, hopefully that, uh, that, that, that enables us to be a, a bit more precise in some of those evaluations too. Dan, uh, last year's draft, Jordan Wicks has uh, pitched uh, beautifully uh, at, at class a Myrtle beach and I'm sorry, at, at South Bend and, Looks like he's going to move up to double A after uh, striking out uh, 10 guys in his last start. And uh, he was your number one pick last year. So congrats on that so far. And then Ed Howard, a high school kid out of Chicago, was your pick uh, two years ago. Ed's unfortunately out with with an injury for the rest of this year. But uh, from the perspective of the organization, high school player, college player, or best player available? How do you you look at the draft uh, from the perspective of the Cubs and their philosophy. Yeah. It, it, to your point, Bruce, it, it, it's, it's gotta be best player available. Uh, you know, there's the, essentially the four demographics, if you will, you've got the, you know, the college position player, the college pitcher and the high school pitcher and the high school position player. And, um, you know, I think people might have their, their preferences. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you, you have to be open. At least my view is that you have to be open to, any of the four demographics and, and, you know, if you're not, um, you know, you, you probably constrain yourself unnecessarily and, and might miss somebody that's a really good player. Um, so I think uh, we're, you know, we're not gonna, uh, you know, if, if, if we have a pattern, um, you know, it, uh, looking back on this after, you know, a few drafts, it's, it's, it's certainly not by design. 
Dan, last question for me. Uh, does the pedigree of some of the young guys uh, considering for the draft, does that weigh in at all? I mean, you've got uh, making me feel old. Uh, you've got Andrew Jones's son is one of the top prospects this year. Matt Holiday's son is uh, one of the top prospects this year. Do you look at that? Hey, this this kid grew up around the game. He was in clubhouses. His dad played in the bigs for a long time. Does that factor at all into to how you judge some of these players? Yeah, it's 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 a really good question, and uh, you know, I think the answer is probably yes. It it, it it factors into it, but I think where it really impacts. Um, you know the, the the player is his ability to be exposed to um, to resources as he's developing, um, you know, throughout his life that you know maybe other players wouldn't have, and um, you know that's just it's just a big advantage to um, you know have somebody that you know if if your dad was a you know a big league hitter that to be able to break down your swing and and talk through video with him, you know, after the game or you know similarly if he you know if he was a pitcher and you know then if you're hanging around the clubhouse and you know, your dad's coworkers happen to be, you know, other major league uh, players. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's a chance that you might, um, you know, get more out of that than, uh, you know, if, uh, if, 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 you know, if your dad's occupation is something else. And, you know, is that, uh, so I think, you know, it, it certainly plays into the development opportunities that the player has been exposed to up to that point. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, I think when we, you know, draw a line of demarcation and say, okay, now we need to evaluate this player at you know currently you know where he's at in relation to you know his peers you know i think the name on the back of his jersey isn't as um you know isn't as influential in the decision making process but you know then there's the other component of it is which is you know is this player know what he's getting into is he ready for pro ball does he have the mentality um you know to to stick it out you know through the ups and downs and you know there is probably an advantage associated with you know, seeing um, your dad or a relative or maybe even your brother sort of go through the process. And, you know, just so it's not you know, quite as shocking when you, you do encounter those uh, those bumps in the road and, you know, something that we pay a lot of attention to and, and try to, you know, focus on in the, the makeup evaluation is, you know, whether this player is going to be able to overcome adversity or not. And oftentimes if you've seen somebody else go through that, um, you know, you might be able to, you know, handle it a little bit better. Um, but you know, like I said, at the end of the day, I think it's just part of the process, one piece of the picture. Um, it's not going to make or break a decision, but you know, we have to be aware of it and try to see how it's, uh, affected the player's development up to this point. Dan, uh, Mike and I appreciate your time. Uh, all the best of luck tomorrow, picking the right guy. And, uh, again, thanks for taking some time out on a very busy, uh, period of time for you and the rest of the organization. All the best. And we'll talk to you soon, as, as soon as Thanks, tomorrow Bruce. night. Thanks, Mike. Take care, guys. All right. Take care. Vice President of Scouting for the Chicago Cubs, Dan Kantrovitz, talking about the draft. We need to get going and catch up on some spots here, Mike, because Wayne Randazzo, the voice in the New York Mets, will be joining us next on Inside the Clubhouse. He's Mike. I'm Bruce. It's Inside the Clubhouse at 670 The Score, 670thescore.com. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.